Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute uh, Local Crisis Edition. This is uh, as if a global um, society crippling pandemic weren't enough. We had a really bad Midwest thunderstorm come through here. There's just broken trees and everything all over the place, and I've been without power or internet at my home for 26 hours or something like this, or 27, whatever it is. Uh, oh, here's more repair crews trying to do something. I wish they would hustle it up a little bit because all our food is spoiling in our home. And Well, anyway, local crisis edition. I'm driving into my office to get a book. In fact, I'm driving in to get a book, to get John Mitchell's book. Uh, oh, I'm embarrassed to forget. <laughs> I forgot the title. <laughs> Programming Languages Theory or something like that. Uh, anyway, this is his book from a while back. And um, as I recall, it's got a really good section on logical relations. And I'm going to go in and get that book because I've become very interested in logical relations. I mean, everybody in programming languages, I think, you know, has some degree of familiarity or knowledge or possibly interest in logical relations. But um, I've gotten pretty interested in this for connections with Sadil. And so uh, I hate to cut um, optimal beta reduction short, but honestly, I'm a little out of gas on optimal beta reduction. I hope I gave you some taste of some of what it's about. I don't have a solution yet. I spent, I don't know, six weeks or so banging my head against it this summer and uh, didn't really come up with much uh, except kind of realizing that, that really the whole problem is kind of somehow attempting to keep track of the scope of, very carefully, of the scope of variables during one of these sort of um, lazy uh, graph copying steps. And so I, I think there's still some hope of a, a, a better way there than, than has been figured out in the past. But anyway, I'm about ready to be done. Talking about it just as I'm about ready to be done, banging my head against the wall over it. So um, I decided to switch gears and start a new chapter here of the sadly not-so-frequent podcast. Sorry. The good old days when I would record this every time I'm driving in to work. Man, those were awesome. I'm really sorry for myself. And if you, the listener, enjoyed that, well, I'm just kind of trying to get them out there when I can, like right now in uh, emergency office run mode again. Uh, like many places, we'll be working at home through the fall, so uh, there's not going to be regular commute for me, but um, I'll keep trying to put these out there, partly for my own benefit. Hopefully, you also find it useful. Anyway, uh, so I want to talk about logical relations and um, as, as is pretty much always the case in my podcast, I have to warn you that I'm not an expert in logical relations. Oh, man, I just, I'm just going to get a t-shirt that says I'm not an expert in this, whatever. But uh, So I'm interested in them. I want to learn more about them, and hopefully you want to learn a little more about them too. And I've found some pretty cool resources that gave different perspectives on them that I had seen before. And one really, really interesting perspective came from a paper by... Uh, Claudio Hermida and um, Uday Reddy, and there was a, four, a third co-author. Uh, was it Edmund Robinson? I forgot now. Um, people, researchers, I, I have not met ever personally, um, and uh, they were making a really interesting point about, uh, and this they were attributing this point to John Reynolds, um, who John C. Reynolds, a great one of the greatest programming language researchers of all time, who passed away a few years ago, was a Carnegie Mellon professor, um, his I think his whole career, and um, just a 
just a brilliant researcher with so many original and, and um, really awesome ideas. And uh, I think that's pretty much universally acknowledged among programming language researchers. And uh, one of his ideas is something called parametricity. And it's quite connected to logical relations, which I hadn't really appreciated before. And this paper I mentioned by Hermita and Reddy and uh, uh, the third co-author, I think it was Robinson, um, really highlights this connection with logical relations. And so I'm basically this chapter, I want to talk about logical relations and parametricity kind of together. And I think these are pretty uh, <laughs> kind of interesting, important technical topics in programming languages theory. And um, so I think this is pr hopefully pretty uh, timely subject to be discussing. And anyway, but the starting point, which I'm getting from this, this Hermita et al. paper, is, to, is that logical relations... Um, so what is a logical relation? Well, don't worry, I'll attempt to tell you as best as I understand. But to make a connection that may help, you know, in algebra, in universal algebra or in abstract algebra or whatever, we have, uh, we have this idea of a homomorphism, right? It's a structure-preserving function. I mean, this idea of structure-preserving function really couldn't be more important or central in mathematics, I think it's fair to say, um, and certainly in algebra, to my limited mathematical knowledge of, of abstract algebra. Um, so the idea of a structure-preserving function, that's a homomorphism. So what does that mean? Well, say you're thinking about groups. You know, So these are, a group uh, is a set that has some binary uh, operation on it, we don't say, we know, we're not saying what the set is. This is abstract algebra now we're talking about. You've got some binary operation. That means you can take two elements, and this, this operation just gives you another one back. And there's an inverse operation. It takes an element and gives you another element. And there's an identity element. That's just some special designated element. Now, we give them these names because a group has to satisfy the group laws, which say that this um, binary operation is associative, so it doesn't matter whether you group, you know, right, right or left when you're combining three elements with this operation. And it also, the group laws also say that the inverse operation really works like an inverse. Like if you have X inverse, let's just say times for a moment as the, the binary operation. So X inverse times X has to be equal to the identity element. And the identity element times X has to equal X. And so those are the basic... Uh, axioms for groups. And, you know, there's a quite a lot of research in abstract algebra and in group theory specifically. Um, anyhow, so and a homomorphism is a function from one group to another, and it's, it's structure-preserving, as I was saying, in the following sense. Um, if you apply this function to the multiplication of two elements... So if you have, let's say the homomorphism is going to be called H. And so if you have H of X times Y, that has to equal H of X times H of Y. So in other words, the, um, when you apply the homomorphism to an element that happens to be the multiplication of two other elements, then the homomorphism has to give you back something that is the... Uh, 
that is the multiplication of what you get when you apply the homomorphism to those elements. It's kind of wordy to say. It's easier and sort of symbolically. It's just h of x times y is equal to h of x times h of y. And similarly, h of x inverse has to be the inverse of h of x. Now, we have to be careful here when I'm saying, oh, you know, h, of, h, h is taking you from one group to another. So h of x inverse, that means that inverse is in the first group. And when you say h of x inverse equals h um, equals the inverse of h of x, that second inverse is in the second group. Okay, so we're mapping from group to group in this structure-preserving way. And similarly, h of the identity element has in the first group has to be the identity element of the second group. So anyway, structure-preserving function is a homomorphism. It's a very familiar concept in mathematics and a very important one. Well, um, the explanation or the connection I read there in uh, um, this paper is that a logical relation is just the relational generalization of the idea of a homomorphism. In other words, instead of talking about functions from one group to another, let's talk about relations that relate elements of the first group and the second group. Um, and so if you say, okay, so how can you spell that out? How would that be for groups? Well, and we're, of course, we're going to recover the idea of a homomorphism, by the way, as just a special case of this, right? Because uh, a since a function is just a particular kind of relation, um, we like the, for our notion of a logical relation to generalize the notion of homomorphism. It means that when you restrict the notion of logical relation to to function functional relations, we should get back the original definition of homomorphism. And I'm pretty darn sure that that's right. <laughs> um, would be good to kind of double check it. So the um, so the definition there for a, a logical relation between groups is that um, so we have this relation between group, two groups, group the first group and the second group. Um, of course, I'm talking about the example of groups, but this is all um, intended to and does apply generally, more generally, to different abstract. Uh, algebraic structures. And so um, the logical relation, you know, now we kind of go, let's go back and the, I guess, you know, the simplest thing is I should have started anyway with the homomorphism case is to start with the base case of the identity elements. And so um, just the way the homomorphism maps identity element in group one to the identity element of group two, the, homomor the logical relation needs to relate those two elements. It has to relate the identity element in group one, and has to relate to the, the identity element of group two. So those are related by the relation. Relation, of course, you remember, is just a binary. Uh, it's just a set of pairs. It doesn't have to be a function now. And similarly, um, if you, uh, you know, for how does, what is a relation, what, what properties does is relation have to have for inverses and for you know, multiplications? Well, if you've got um, elements relate. You've got. Uh, let's just take inverse for next because that's a little simpler just to say out loud. So if you've got um, an element of group one that's related to the to an element of group two, then similarly the inverses of those elements have to be related. And finally, if you have pairs of related elements and you multiply them, the the corresponding components of these pairs, then the multiplications have to be related. 
So the relation preserves the structure relationally just the way the homomorphism preserved it functionally. Isn't that cool? I took abstract algebra long ago in, in college, and this idea of just gen, having a relational generalization of the idea of a homomorphism, well, that's sort of appealing. And we will talk further about sort of what benefits we can reap from this another time. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you are well and safe and not having weather disasters on top of your virus disasters wherever you are. Take care.